Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. This episode is airing on Tuesday, May 16th, 2023. Hello, everyone. It's Shannon back with you for another Tuesday morning episode. I ask you all to bear with me if there are some uh, sound mix-ups here. I am recording on a new device, so I'm hoping that we have this uh, figured out the way we want. But if not, I apologize. So... Today, I have an interview to share with author Paige Toon, and this is about her novel, Only Love Can Hurt Like This. This was released on April 25th, so it's only been out for a few weeks, and I hope you enjoy getting to know Paige as an author and a bit about her as a person. Um, She has a ton of books that were previously published in Australia and the UK, and now she is here in the US, and I am excited. So without any further rambling from me, let's do the housekeeping information, then we will get into the interview, and then I'll be back to chat with you about some new books. You can find us on Facebook, by searching for the Book Bistro podcast. Once there, you can post to our timeline. You can also message us privately. If you want a more social interaction, you can join our Facebook listener group, which is pretty quiet at the moment, though we are looking at some ways of possibly revamping it. If Facebook is not your thing and you still would like to hang out with us, check us out on our WhatsApp group. You can subscribe to that either by messaging us through Facebook or by sending us an email, and one of us will be happy to add you. If you're looking to get a hold of us via email, you can do that by contacting the Book Bistro Podcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro Podcast. This is Shannon, and today I am chatting with author Paige Toon, and we are discussing her novel, Only Love Can Hurt Like This, which is released here in the U.S. actually on the day that we are recording this, so April 25th. Paige, thank you so much for joining me today, especially on your publication day. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's exciting. Can we start with a brief introduction to Only Love Can Hurt Like This? Yes, absolutely. So this is a story of Ren, and at the very beginning of the novel, she witnesses the moment that her fiancé realises that he's in love with somebody else. So it's a really kind of heartbreaking moment. You know, she sees this look that they share, and she just, you know, her intuition tells her that, you know, there's something there. Um, We pick up with her again three months later, and she's decided to leave the UK to go and spend some time with her dad in um on his on his new farm in um in Indiana. Um and so we pick up with her sort of arriving in Indiana and she has a, a slightly strange relationship with her dad. Um when she was 5 him, he had an affair with another woman and he got this woman pregnant and so he and he chose 
this other woman. Um, and so Ren, you know, came back to the UK with her mum and her dad basically raised her stepsister. And so she sort of always felt like he chose them over her. And so she's back now. And, you know, she's only maybe spent a couple of weeks with him over the course of her, you know, most of her life. Um, so they don't really know each other that well, but something happens that means that she ends up staying the whole summer there in Indian, Indi- sorry, in Indiana. It's a tricky Hard one to, to say. <laughs> in Indiana. Um, and while she's there, in fact, on her second night, after having a few drinks with her half-sister Bailey at um, a local bar, she stumbles home through like a cornfield full of fireflies and almost gets run over by this very hot man called Anders um, on his motorbike. <laughs> and oh. he, he's the brother of the farmer um, who owns the land and Anders is home for his own reasons that his that his older brother is has been suffering suffering with his mental health. So Anders is also home for the summer and he and Ren cross paths. There's a bit of banter between them, but, and there's definitely chemistry. Like she's instantly attracted to him, but he keeps her at arm's length and it's a real slow burn this story, but there's a reason for it. And when you discover why, when Ren discovers the reason he's been keeping her at heart, you know, at arm's length, then she's absolutely heartbroken. It's an impossible situation and a really emotional sort of love story. So you have a number of books already to your credit, but these are are books that um, up until pretty recently haven't been available here in the U.S. Is this your first one that you've actually um, that's actually the coming out right away in the U.S.? Yeah, this is so. Um, a few years ago, I decided to self-publish my entire backlist in America, so that's been available for a couple of years. But um. Yes, this is my first traditionally published book by a big publisher, Putnam, you know, which is part of Penguin. Um, yes. they, they've just been incredible. Like they're really, really going for it. In fact, they bought four of my backlist books and I've just signed another book deal with them. So this is the very beginning of my American journey, but it's definitely, I feel like I'm I'm in it now. You know, it's um it's yes. you know, only gonna go up from here, I hope. <laughs> I think I saw um some of your backlist coming out in audio as well that's right um, yeah they've bought the audio for four of them and obviously only love can hurt like this is also read by the fantastic Gemma Whelan um who was in Game of Thrones you might recognize her um ah. she's a fantastic job you know with the audio so yeah no it's really exciting it's really exciting I was really happy to see that you know a lot of your or I should say those four from your backlist were available in audio I feel like you know some of the stuff that's published internationally even if it's bought by U.S. publishers like doesn't necessarily make its way to audio so I was glad to see um, that there was a a selection of your books available in that format I hope you'll listen to them at some point and let me know what you think. <laughs> I will. I will. I'm always on the hunt for new things to listen to. Um, I will tell you that my TBR pile, uh, according to Goodreads, currently has like 9,000 books on it. Oh, so I know it, it's a bit of a problem that I have. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot. It's a good problem to have, but you know, it does. It does mean that things kind of um, languish over on that, you know, giant Goodreads yeah, shelf. No, no pressure to add 9,001, 2, 3, and 4. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm always adding. I'm always adding. It's, it's part of how I got to 9,000 in the first place. I know. I'm the same. You know, I'm always like adding books to my, you know, to my e-reader. Oh, 
yeah there are so many there and then and then I get you know get sent books you know from authors all the time which I really want to prioritize you know it's just so hard to actually find time to read all of the books you want to read oh yes and and advanced copies are like the best I always say that's like one of the best things about what I do now is that I get advanced copies of books and it just makes me so happy every day Oh yeah, me too. I got, I just read, um, Emily Henry's happy place, you know, which is out soon. And Oh, it's out today here. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's out in two yes. days in the UK. So yeah, that's right. It's, I, I share, yeah, you share a, um, you share a publication day, at least here in the U S I, I just saw my, my husband just sort of showed me a tweet that penguin U S has just put out, you know, with Emily Henry and, you know, my book sort of like sitting next to each other. It's just like, yay. Yay. Look at that. <laughs> so cool. So can you give listeners a little bit of kind of insight into like, have you always kind of written um, more like women's fiction, romance type novels or like what can people expect if we go back and look at your backlist? Well, I would say um, in more recent years, my books have become less light and funny. Like my earlier books, you know, which started with Lucy in the Sky 16 years ago, um, are they, all of my books have, are emotional love stories. Like none of my books I would classify as a rom-com. I think they're, you know, okay. there's a little bit more of a, you know, an emotional pull in them. You know, every single one of my books has made me cry. I mean, some of them have made me sob. <laughs> Only <laughs> looking at like this is one of them that made me sob. Um, and my more recent books, like someone I used to know, you know, that sort of set in, in a, in a fostering world, you know? Um, and so that just really, really tugged at my heartstrings and I love fostering books. Oh, it's yeah. I mean, it was just, yeah, I, I loved writing that book. Um, so, and quite a lot of them have got twists, you know, they'll sort of pull the rug out from under you, you know, you wouldn't necessarily be expecting them. I don't think that some of them are predictable, you know, you'll know right from the off who she's going to end up with and hopefully just enjoy the ride and the roller coaster ride that they go on. Um, but yes, you know, as I say, I don't classify myself as a rom-com writer. I'm, I'm, I write emotional love stories that really make you feel and will hopefully really pull at your heartstrings and, you know, give you everything from love and passion and grief and heartache and happiness and hope. <laughs> I love that. I think there are just so many books that can make you feel such strong emotions. And I think that is the mark of something that's done well, you know, when you can really identify with those characters and feel all those emotions that the author was going for when writing the book. Absolutely. And I mean, that's why I love writing, because I love to be inside a character's head, really experiencing everything that they're experiencing and really living vicariously through the characters. And I think because I write in the first person present tense, that's even more immediate. You know, you're really inside. And I also write my books quite quickly. And so I'm very, very immersed for a, a shorter amount of time. Um, and, you know, and so when the reader can step into the shoes of the character and also, you know, I think they go on that same journey. That was like, I still remember getting, you know, those early book reviews and and I still read most of my reviews and, you know, just to know that the readers have connected to the story in the same way that I connected as I was writing is just, yeah, it means the world, you know, to be able to, you know, give them that experience of a, of a journey to go on as well. So has publishing this book here in the US as well as abroad, like has that been kind of a different process for you or was it sort of similar to what it was like, you know, publishing the other books that you've written? Um, yeah, it has been different. I, see, one of the reasons why I've never been published in the US before, why I've, what I've been told, um, is that I used to write my books 
but basically my very first book deal, I got a book deal in September, 2006. I wrote the book by December, 2006, and it came out in April, 2007. Now that's a really, really quick turnaround. Like there's a six months really, you know, like, whereas if you want to be published and I've been like that every book, every year since I've written a book a year since, And, you know, and I'd heard a couple of times, you know, that American publishers want to have the book a good year in advance. And that just wasn't going to happen with my writing schedule. And I only like to write in the autumn, like I find it very, very hard to write in the summer. So even though I write my books quickly, I couldn't kind of, I couldn't deliver them any earlier, you know, than what I was doing. And so then I just made a decision like a year and a half ago that I was going to change publishers, um, have a fresh start somewhere else. And I got an amazing book deal with Penguin. Um. And I said to them when I joined, what I would like to do is I will still write you the book and it will come out, you know, I'll deliver it to you in, you know, a few months time, but we won't publish until a year and a bit later. And they were like, that's absolutely works for us. So they've been able to really build that. They, they've managed to get this amazing book deal with Putnam and Penguin in, in the US. Um, and then that was a fantastic experience because I had a, an American editor as well. So I did two rounds of editing and also bearing in mind that usually I write my books and then they come out within a few months. I normally have to edit them very, very quickly. And, you know, there's only there's only so much you can do in that amount of time. And I used to love it. You know, it was like a nice, fast, quick process. And, the you know, the reads themselves are really pacey and, you know, sort of quite fast. But with this one, to have the extra time and love to be able to really invest in the emotional development of the characters, you know, and to go through those different rounds of editing with two different editors was just, it was magical, to be honest. I mean, I know a lot of other authors hate the editing process, but I loved it. And I'm going through it again now with the second book that I'm releasing with with Penguin. And, um, you know, again, you know, I've had my first round of edits with, you know, both of my editors now, you know, they're working together. And, I just know that I'm going to end up with the most polished book, you know, that I could possibly do, which is, yeah, it's just really exciting to know that you can deliver your best work, you know, and you've got the time to be able to really put, you know, put that into it. So really, really just very excited, like to be, to be on this next stage of the journey with, with new publisher, you know, fresh perspective and, and yay, first, first book released in America properly. So it's it's exciting. (laughs) So how does that work with two editors? Like, do you ever get sort of conflicting advice from them? Um, Well, they work together before they come to me. So I know that, Ah, that, you know, like they basically sort of talk to each other about their, well, first of all, with Only Love Can Hurt Like This, I worked with my English editor first. And then when I got an American book deal, Tara, my wonderful editor, Tara Singh Coulson, she was the editor of Where the Crawdads Sing. So, I mean, like the most, you know, oh, yes. kind of, you know, um, sort of, yeah, was, I was very excited because that was one of my favorite books that I just read in recent sort of years, you know, so um, very happy to, to have her on board. And, um, and so then she did another second round of editing and she had some ideas for what she wanted to do. She wanted to, you know, sort of make a few changes to a few different things and, and it just everything she said made sense to both me and my, um, um, you know, my UK editor, because I just think that's if you're a reasonable person. And and the funny thing with what I've sort of really discovered, especially with like the last book that I've just delivered to them, um, which comes out next year. And, you know, I've really, really pour my heart and my soul into the books and they feel so, so real to me. Like they, I, I feel like the characters are real. Like I know I'm going to struggle to go back to the places where the books are set because, you know, I will only be thinking about the journey of my characters, you know, like it, right. it's, Who won't it's be hard. There. Yeah. Um, 
But what you do is once you hand over your book to somebody else and it no longer really belongs to you, it doesn't belong to me anymore. It belongs to the world. And so it's about kind of like working with the editors and and respecting the editors enough to make the book objectively the best that it can be, you know, not just sort of subjectively coming from me. You know, it's about, you know, really kind of, you know, sending it out into the world, basically. And, And it becomes a team effort from that point on that, you know, that you hand it on. But it's kind of funny, like this feeling of having to also let it go and not be too attached to, you know, certain sort of elements of it. Um, but yeah, so far it's been a really, really good experience. Like there wasn't any, there've been no changes that my editors have suggested that I haven't ultimately agreed with. So, you know, we're all on the same page, which I, I feel very, very lucky because I know that's not always the case. <laughs> Is that kind of like detaching from a book once you've written it and, you know, once you've turned it over to your agent and your publisher and all the people that go into bringing a book out into the world? Is that something that gets easier over time or does it kind of remain just a little tricky to kind of let go of something that you have put so much of yourself into? Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't get easier, but it doesn't um, like, I'm so attached to every single one of my books, you know, like I can, I can, you know, I could tell you everything about every single one of them, you know, and there's like, you know, 20 books out there um, and they still feel very kind of alive to me you know and these characters still feel very alive so there's no I think the hardest thing for me would be if I ever got a film deal that would be the thing that would be difficult because you know obviously changes are made and you know to sort of turn it into film and I think that would be that would be harder sort of having just handing over creative control to someone else to change your book into you know like however they wanted to to see it but in terms of you know in terms of the actual the writing and the editing process, you know, that's not difficult, really. I mean, it's a little bit nerve wracking, especially that first, the first read, you know, because you want them to love it because you love it, you know, like I've right. lived the story and I love it, you know, like, you know, I, I wrote a book that I would want to read, you know, and that's the way I've kind of always written. I write for myself, you know, I genuinely do. Um, and so, you know, obviously you want them to kind of be on the same page as you, but, you know, it's also just about being reasonable and, and, you know, kind of think, oh, no, that's, that's true. They've got a point there. And yeah, that character arc could be a bit better, you know, like that, that's not that strong. And oh yeah, that's not, that's not as realistic as I'd thought about. I hadn't really thought about that. So they'll kind of like, you know, pick up other things, you know, that I wouldn't necessarily have, you know, have sort of have seen, but nothing, I've never had a situation where someone has wanted to change something really major, you know, something mm-hmm. that really mattered to me, you know, like on the whole, and, you know, and I've also had editors who say, ultimately, this is your book. And if you disagree with anything, you know, then, um, you know, it's it's ultimately your decision. And I remember my very first editor saying that to me when I wrote my debut novel. And I'd already thought to myself, hang on, she's had 30 years of experience. This is my first book. I'm going to do everything that she tells me to do. But it was also just her saying that to me was just also just really lovely. Just that sense of freedom of, you know what, it is still in my control. So you know, I, I did do everything she told me to do and she was absolutely right with all of her suggestions. But, um, you know, it is nice just to kind of know that ultimately it is my book and I can push back if there's something that I disagree with. So is this the first book you've written that's actually set in the US? No, I have set some other books there. Um, the Longest Holiday is set in Key West. You know, that's about a, ah, a, yes. a girl who, you know, at the very, very beginning of the novel, she's on gone on holiday with the girls because her her husband basically made a terrible mistake on his stag do and now she's left with lifelong consequences um oh. and so she's in this very very difficult situation of you know 
her husband is is a really nice guy he genuinely made like a very very terrible mistake when he was very very drunk um I sort of I love to write about these impossible dilemmas you know these these things that really kind of make you you know you could go either way you know it's not there are so many decisions that could be made you know and and I and I write about what I would do you know in that situation um yeah so that's that was that was set in Key West that was a really fun one to write that was really fun to research (laughs) oh yes I bet going going to Key West you know on a lovely holiday (laughs) so when you get the idea for a book like what is it that you usually know first like do you know kind of who your main character is going to be do you know the setting do you know kind of like the the glimmer of of your plot like how do things form for you where you're like oh yeah you know this is this is going to be the story that I'm telling next I think I think generally it is the idea for the plot um but sometimes I am inspired by an idea for a character you know it might be like a feeling that you know that I get from someone I remember listening to the song Kate Nash's The Nicest Thing and it's a really beautiful beautiful song and it's really quite heart-wrenching you know she just thinks that this guy is just like the nicest guy and he just you know she just is wishing that he could like see her in that way and um and I remember thinking oh you know I'd like to write a character a little bit inspired by that and Anders is kind of inspired by that and I mentioned the song in the in the book too you know because he's just Ren doesn't really know why he's always keeping her at arm's length because there seems to be something between them. But as far as she knows, he's just grieving the wife that he lost four and a half years ago. Um, And she's just, she sort of thinks, well, you know, maybe just that look that we've just shared might mean something. And maybe he is going to be open to something, you know, so she's, nothing's shut down um, until she finds out, you know, his, Mm -hmm. his, his big secret, you know, um, which does make things really, really difficult. So yeah, I, I, it comes from different things, but definitely, definitely sort of plot, you know, like for this one, um, it was the plot. It was the secret was the thing that kind of really drove me to write, to write the book. Oh, Yeah. I, I basically, I came when I was spending time in Indianapolis, when I was in my twenties, I remember hearing about a situation like this. And then in recent years, again I heard about a situation that had happened to a friend of a friend um and it just it just seemed like the most heartbreaking like what I just was thinking what would I do in that situation you know what would this person do and just it was so heartbreaking for everybody involved in the situation that it just you know I I couldn't stop thinking about it and you know eventually I just thought right I'm gonna have to write about it you know and so it's often it'll be a scenario or something like that that just makes me really really want to write about it it reminds me kind of um, the way you're describing this of like when a thriller author tells me like the thing that they know in the beginning is the twist and then they have to form like this whole mystery kind of around this one like twisty little nugget that has appeared in their mind that kind of seems like for you it was sort of similar where the secret was the thing that drove you and then everything else sort of formed around that. Yeah, see, I don't know whether or not initially I thought it was going to be a secret. Um, I think that I love the moment when I realize, oh, that that can be a, that can be a twist. And, you know, and then and then constructing the story around the twist is really exciting. You know, I've like I've had a few twists, you know, um, and then that's really fun to kind of like. I remember I've, I've got this twist in the one we fell in love with, which is, you know, another one of my more recent books that Penguin are putting out. And um, and I remember I told my editor and my agent, I had an agent at the time, I don't anymore, but um, 
I told them about, um, you know, this twist. And when they read it, they were like, oh, I'm not sure we need the twist. I'm not, you know, I, I, it's obvious this and that. And then I had a, a, someone who'd helped me with my research read it and and she was just completely blown away. And so I thought, oh, hey, oh, maybe it's because they knew it was coming. And so I had to right. get like, it with a couple of other people. And and since then, it's been quite, you know, like I've actually, like someone I used to know also has a big old twist. And <laughs> and, um, and I didn't tell my editor anything to do with it. So I just still remember getting this text message through from her saying, oh, my God, I thought this was going to happen. You completely had me. And it was just, you know, that's really nice. Like if you can kind of surprise your editors. <laughs> yes, that would be the best because like they read so many books and, you know, probably in a lot of ways, like sort of know like what to expect can kind of, you know, guess certain things. Yeah. And so if you can really surprise them. Yes. Um, that would seem like it would be like very excellent. Yeah, that was super fun. <laughs> so you mentioned writing books that you yourself would like to read. And so I'm guessing then that you also kind of read these like very emotional stories, like you've mentioned, um, you know, Emily Henry and um, Delia Owens. So what um, what have you read recently that you think the world should know about? Well, I really loved Happy Place, which is Emily Henry's book that came out. Ah, uh, yes. I really, I really enjoyed that. I mean, you know, authors that are my autobi authors, uh, Colleen Hoover, I've read her book since 2013. I was actually asked to quote on the UK cover for Slammed. Um, oh. So I discovered her books and have been shouting about them since like 2013, 2012, actually. I remember my, you know, sort of dug out, like I found an old tweet the other day, which was just, um, you know, me recommending that to, to loads of readers. So um so you know she's she's my my favorite author you know because I love this emotional connection um I always used to love reading like Marion Keys but I really love romance and I found that her books have maybe gone a little bit away from romance and love stories you know not necessarily mm-hmm. so much um and so I always kind of go back to romance I really love Christina Lauren and like some of my favorite or you know they're my favorite I always say they because it's two people, but um, it's two, yes, yeah, two people. But um, but yeah, they're fantastic, and they gave me a quote for this, which was amazing. I was super, super happy for that. And the they actually point. have a book uh, coming out in May. I know. I need to get a copy of it. I'm dying uh, to read the it. True Love Experiment. I think it's called. Sounds awesome. <laughs> it's like a. I think it's like a companion novel to uh, the Soulmate Equation. Oh, okay. From, from what I can gather, um, one of my know. presenters picked it as one of her most anticipated um, May releases. Oh, cool. And so that's all I really know about it. It's just a blurb that she shared on our on our episode. But um, I've actually never read Christina Lauren, and I, I should do something about that because so many yeah. people have like glowing things to say about their work. They're just super. They're just really like well-paced funny sexy you know some of them are steamier than others you know I don't know what your level of steam is that you want but um you know like I mean I love all of their books you know like I love the more steamy ones but they've really loved their more sort of heartfelt romance ones that I've I've read in recent years like love and other words is just one of my favorites really enjoyed that I'm happy pretty much with like all levels of steam as long as the the writing kind of pulls me in um, yes, I don't really have like a, do. I don't really have a, like a rule or a guideline for, you know, how much or how little steam or heat um, yeah. I tend not to do as well with books that they refer to as like clean romances or, you know, with like no steam, 
which sometimes yeah. that's a little harder but yeah I agree otherwise yeah. I don't you know I don't really say like oh there has to be you know this amount I just I want to read I want to feel butterflies with you know, yes I read you know and if it's just the moment where their lips meet and then it cuts to scene then unless there's a really really great build-up in terms of eye contact and you know all the other stuff that makes you feel the butterflies it's I would I you know I'd like to read a little bit more too you know I mean I'm, I'm somewhere in between you know my books are not clean I think you you know you get like I would hope a really good sort of amount of chemistry and sort of build up right. moments but they're not really steamy either um right you're not um writing you know it's not like you have a sex scene um every other page yeah <laughs> yeah especially Which, not with this one because this one is a slow burn <laughs> right and that and I think you know that's the thing like if you can decide like okay I'm gonna write a slow burn but I'm going to fill it with you know all these like hints of of chemistry and attraction then I think it can work just as well as yeah. like a steamier book but it's yeah, all it's, in how it's done yeah it's all about the emotional connection isn't it and you know it is sort of feel those feelings that the readers you know that the character's feeling then you know as long as that comes across those are the sort of books I love reading well I want to thank you so incredibly much for taking time especially on your publication day as I said at the beginning of this interview um, to chat with me and to let listeners know a little bit about who you are as a writer and a reader Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you, especially on my on my publication day. It makes it feel really real. Yes, you can like talk to book people on your publication day. Yay! <laughs> can you let listeners know the best place to find you online? Uh, yes, um, I'm at, well. My website is pagetune.com, um, but I'm an at pagetune author on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, I love hearing from my readers, so yeah, do come along and say hi. Um, I try to respond to everybody. So I don't know whether or not I'll be able to keep that up forever, but I definitely try. And yeah, I'd love to hear from readers, especially American ones. It'd be, be great to hear how, how the book, um, you know, feels in your hands. <laughs> I have to ask, since you talked about social media, but do you describe your social media photos? Do I describe my, oh, um, no, I'm not sure that I do. I mean, obviously I have, you know, write-ups underneath them. Is that what you mean? I, mm. Yeah, I do. So when I log on to Instagram, mm -hmm. for example, I see all these posts and they say things to me like, image may contain text, right. but it doesn't tell me what the text says. And okay. since I can't see the photo, I have right. no idea what people are posting. Or it will tell me something like, image may contain four people outdoors. Okay. And I'm like, wow. So I don't know if you've seen, but a lot of people, um, not, not as many as I would like, but a, a good number of people are starting to incorporate what we call image descriptions into their posts. And so it'll say something like ID colon, you know, this is a photo of four people standing, you know, whatever. And you describe briefly what is in the photo so that people who, for whatever reason, whether it's because they have a visual impairment or maybe some kind of other like neurological condition that makes it hard for them to interpret photos, can still understand what it is that you're posting and can share in that like big piece of social media. 
Okay, cool. Well, that's, thank you. That's really good advice. I'm, I'll definitely start incorporating that into my social media posts from now on. Could I like you, do them in closed brackets or something, you know, like down the sure. bottom? If you Google like creating image descriptions for social media, you can see things that other people do. If you also look at like other authors um, on Instagram, like a lot of them have started to do it. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with like Lucy score. Um, yeah. She does it now. Um, Colleen Oakley has recently started to do it. Um, oh, so yeah, if you just okay. kind of look around, then you can sort of pick the way of doing it that feels the most natural to you that without, you know, leaving a certain like subsection of the population out of the things that you post. Like one of the most difficult things for me were, you know, doing what I do in, in books is that people are constantly posting pictures of book covers, yeah. but they don't say what the book is. Like they'll be like, oh, I just read this. And then they'll show a picture of the cover oh, wow. and it will yeah. tell me something like, you know, image may contain text. I'm like, okay, great. Well, I guess I won't be reading whatever that is because I don't know what it is. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, sure. So and if there's I only to... so many times I can post and say, you know, what book is this? I can't decipher the, you know, the text from the image. Yes. Okay. Well, I do, I do tend to always mention what, you know, what books I'm posting in my post, but, um, but I'm going to have a look. That's a really good, really good bit of advice. Thank you. I will have a look um, at You're how welcome. other people do it and, and make sure I do that in future. I am hoping to eventually like take over the world with accessible social media. Posts. I love it. Brilliant. I'm doing it one person at a time. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully it will spread, <laughs> spread among us. Yes. Everyone that I interview now, I ask this and, you know, some people are automatically like, oh yeah, you know, I've been doing it for a while. And some people are like, no, I, I've never really known why people do that. Oh, that's, and that's so I'm always happy to chat with people about it and let them you know kind of know like this is this is helpful to a, a population of readers that perhaps you know people don't even really know exist yeah brilliant thank you well again this has been a discussion with author Paige Toon about her novel Only Love Can Hurt Like This and this was released in the U.S. on April 25th all right. So as always, I'm starting off with some things that you've heard me mention before. Well, you might not have heard me mention them, but you've heard someone mention them on our most anticipated releases of May episode. I'm starting with one of Melissa's most anticipated May releases. This is a romance. It's Summer Reading by Jen McKinley. We then move on to one of Kristen's picks. This is Wicked by Amo Jones. And Stacy is looking forward to the new Christina Lauren, as I know many of you are. And this is The True Love Experiment. We also have a new Wendy Hurd book, and this makes me happy on so many levels. This is her young adult thriller, We'll Never Tell. Now, let's move on to some books you haven't heard us talk about before. I'm starting with some mystery, thriller, suspense, you know, those kind of twisty things. And the first book I want to talk about is Yellow Face by R.F. Kuang. This is a novel that Jessie Q. Sutanto referenced when she 
was um, interviewed on Book Bistro. So if you heard that interview, you may know that she loved this book incredibly much. This is a story about a freak accident and a stolen manuscript. It looks a little different from some of Kwong's other stuff because she's done quite a bit of fantasy in the past. Um, and so I'm interested to see sort of how she transitions into this whole um, like more mystery aspect of her writing. So that is Yellow Face by R.F. Kwong. We also have a new Linwood Barclay out this week. This is The Lie Maker. And it's about a man who's trying to track down his father. Apparently his father went into witness protection years ago. And there are some bad people trying to track him down. And so the son is hoping to get to him first. This is The Lie Maker by Linwood Barclay. We also have kind of a literary mystery in The Guest by Emma Klein. Several years ago, Emma Klein wrote a book called The Girls, and it was kind of loosely based on the Charles Manson situation. You know, it was very much about cults and what happens when cults are convinced to do bad things by their leaders. Um, and it was a very, very well-received book. And we didn't hear much from Klein after it was released, but now she's back and this is The Guest. This one does not seem to have to do with cults, but that's okay. Um, you know, you can't write about cults all the time. So once again, this is The Guest by Emma Klein. Next up is Between Two Strangers. This is by Kate White. And Kate White is someone um, who's written a mixture of both some like cozy mystery series and then also some darker, more intense mysteries. This is a standalone, and it's about an inheritance with links to a mysterious past. And once again, it is Between Two Strangers by Kate White. Next up is some historical. Um, got a couple of historical things, some with like romance elements, um, some just straight up historical fiction. But we have... The Garden of Lost Secrets. This is by Kelly Bowen. And Kelly Bowen is one of my very favorite historical romance authors. Then she wrote a historical fiction book and did such an amazing job with it. So now she's back with another. And this is about two sisters who discover the fairy tales that their grandmother wrote during the Second World War. So I'm wondering if we're going to have like some dual timeline stuff in here. This is The Garden of Lost Secrets by Kelly Bowen. Sticking with historicals, we have The Friday Night Club by Sophia Lundberg, Alison Richman, and MJ Rose. I've read books by MJ Rose and Alison Richman. I have not heard of Sophia Lundberg before, but I will have to check her out. Um, but these three teamed up to write a fictionalized biography, so historical fiction, of a female artist who is responsible for the first abstract painting, which is something that is very often attributed to men. So we're peeling back some layers of history in The Friday Night Club by Sophia Lundberg, Alison Richman, and MJ Rose. 
And we have historical romance. This one I'm super excited for. It looks like it's going to be a ton of fun. This is Unladylike Lessons in Love, Marley Sisters, book one by Amita Marie. And our heroine here tells us that not every Regency lady is looking for a husband. And she would really like you know, not, to, not to meet a husband. But as we know, back in those days, you kind of had to have one. And so she goes looking and hijinks ensue. This is Unladylike Lessons in Love, the Marley Sisters, book one by Amita Murray. We also have a new Jenny Ashcroft book. She wrote Meet Me in Bombay a couple of years ago, which I think Stacy talked about as one of her most anticipated releases. This one is The Officer and the Spy. And it is set against the backdrop of a Greek isle. And it features love, danger, and betrayal. It opens in 1936. So kind of right at the start of all the stuff heating up in World War II. So this, once again, is The Officer and the Spy, and it's by Jenny Ashcroft. How about a little fantasy, right? We always need it. Urban fantasy, especially. So this is Nightfall's Prophet, Aileen Travers, book six by J.A. White. Now, this is an author that I have not read yet, although I have been meaning to for quite a while. Um, this series is available at my public library, and I keep looking at it, and then I get distracted. Um, but I've heard that White writes some amazing urban fantasy and some sci-fi as well. So I definitely plan to move this series up on my TBR pile. Um, but this is the sixth book in the series, so probably not the best place to start if you aren't already, you know, fully engrossed in the series. But this is Nightfall's Prophet, Aileen Travers, book six by T.A. White. And last up, we have a new novel by Anna Marie McLemore. They are teaming up with Elliot McLemore for this one. So we have Venom and Vow. McLemore has written some really stellar YA fantasy and some kind of contemporary YA with um, like magical realism elements woven into the story. So they are bringing us another one of these types of books. Um, definitely lots of magic here. I love that they incorporate genderqueer characters into their stories in a way that feels very, very natural. You never get the sense that, you know, they're forcing anything. Everything that they create just feels so incredibly authentic. Um, one of my favorite things that McLemore has done is her retelling of The Great Gatsby with queer characters. And that was just an incredible thing. So if you're already a fan of Anna Marie McLemore, or if you're discovering them for the first time, check this one out. It is Venom and Vow by Anna Marie McLemore and Elliot McLemore. So that is all I have for you today. I hope I've, you know, helped your TBR pile to grow just a little bit more. Um, this was not the biggest new release week, but, you know, they can't all be huge, no matter how much we wish it. So I hope all of you are doing well. 
staying safe, and of course, reading tons and tons and tons because, like, why not, right? If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Mm